Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, and it is indeed the Two Guys in a Mic show here on the TalkZone.com. Back at you after a beautiful 4th of July weekend. We hope everybody out there, A, was safe, B, was uh, happy, and C, had a nice, enjoyable, enjoyable 4th of July sports and or otherwise. But we're all back at it here on a Tuesday, July 5th. I think a lot of us used to that uh you know, you get 4th of July usually a day after to still celebrate, recoup, and do the holiday, and all of a sudden you get the fireworks, the parties and stuff, and boom, bam, Tuesday morning, back at work again. A lot of people probably depressed out there, but what better way to get out of your depression than listen to the two guys at a mic show? Sounded good anyways, that's what the script said. TalkZone.com, enjoy the music, and we'll uh, recapitulate. Yes, indeed. A couple of twists and turns in the uh, opening music of the TalkZone.com. Producer extraordinaire David Olson, other side of the glass, playing hurt today. But uh, he found a way to make it in after a somewhat sickly 4th of July. Dave, we hope you're feeling better. Appreciate you coming in. And the other line is my co-partner checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois. We assume he's in Aurora. It is the big dog, Joe Redwanski. Joe, how are you, my friend? Uh, Coach, I am in Aurora. And it, if you can tell by the voice, it, it was a very long weekend. Uh-oh. And i got to tell you something. Long good or long bad? Oh, very long, uh, mostly good. There's okay. a couple bad thrown in there. Uh-oh. But uh, i, I got to tell you something. I had just like one ridiculous July 4th weekend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> people getting married in the, the Narnia estate. You know what I'm talking about? That, that Like the castle out in Lamont that the whole grounds are constructed like the the movie from, like, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, a, I've never seen the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, The but Chronicles I, of Narnia, uh, and I'm not familiar with the place out in Lamont, but you were there for a wedding. Oh, and it was a uh, it was a, a very handsome, blonde-haired Polish dude marrying a gorgeous <laughs> Mexican chick. Oh, and that sounds good. Like, uh... If you spoke English there, you were the only one who didn't know what the heck was going on. It was awesome. <laughs> Did you pass awesome. out the two guys in a mic card? Those are some potential listeners out there. Uh, Coach, trust me, I was promoting myself as much as possible, and because of that, I got myself in a little bit of trouble this Uh-oh. weekend because Uh-oh. I didn't have yeah. enough time with the date. and I, So I, I got in a little trouble. But there's rumor going on that the 75 people there drank 20 bottles of Belvedere vodka. <laughs> Oh, and a good time was had by, well, maybe not had by all, but had by most? Yes, yes. Oh, what a time. It was an unbelievable wedding, yeah. Coach. Seriously, I would have to rank that as legitimately how much fun I had at that wedding, considering I knew like four people. Mm-hmm. I would have to say in the top three of weddings wow. that weren't like my friends or family. Wow. You know it, what I mean? Yeah. You know, that, honestly, that was, it was unbelievable how much fun I had. That's unbelievable. You, you get, well, you get the Mexican contingent mixing with the Polish contingent. That's all, it's almost hard not to have a great time when those two groups get together. You know, I, I, and if anybody knows the city of Chicago, all I got to say is it's an Archer Avenue marriage, which means this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's either a Polish and an Irish marriage or a Polish and a Mexican marriage. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding you, just because that's what Archer Avenue is, the whole 
the whole road is either Mexican, Irish, or Polish. Mm-hmm. So and that's like because my mom and dad were like an Irish and a, and a Polish wedding. So and like legitimately, coach, I think in my lifetime I have been to at least ten weddings where a Polish guy married a Mexican girl. Uh-huh. At least interesting, 10. interesting. Most of us are lucky if we. I don't think I've ever been to one. Most of our of us would be lucky if we attend one Polish slash Mexican American wedding. You've been to uh, over ten of them. That's unbelievable. Well, well, well let's, let's, let's look at our, our social backgrounds because I grew up on the south side of the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in the northern suburbs. I've been to one Jewish wedding in my entire life. Uh, I think you've been to more than one. Come on, you? you've been to just one. One. And That's I, it. Oh my goodness! Oh, I got to tell you something. When I dropped the chair and almost killed that girl. <laughs> <laughs> you you were doing the Havanagila, and you were the only one holding up the chair, huh? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I've only been to one. So, and I guess you know, I've had I've had uh, friends of the of, of the Jewish faith. I guess they didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to give enough at the wedding, that's, so that's, they didn't invite me. <laughs> that's sad. Only one. If you are uh, of the Jewish persuasion out there, if one of the two of you invite are, me. and you're you're going to get married in the next two months, three months, six months, nine months, you got to send the big dog an invitation. That's one. Wedding in the 39 years you've been on this fine planet Earth, one Jewish wedding, that's just not right. Somebody yeah. send an invite to the big dog. Yeah, I appreciate that, Coach. Yeah. Appreciate it. I'm not 39 yet. What are you, 38? <laughs> this kid about. Mike, two oh. guys at AOL.com, by the way, if you want to send that invite, we'll uh, pass it on to the big dog. MIC in the number two. Mike, two guys at AOL.com. Well, I enjoy, I'm glad you enjoyed the wedding, but uh, you alluded to the fact that the uh, girlfriend a little bit upset with you, not spending enough time. You were commiserating a little bit too much, or as I like to call it, yeah, recapitulating. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I forget that it was her friend's wedding, and she was a bridesmaid and all that, and I was supposed to do more. I was I was a very bad boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm I was being selfish. Well, I but you were you were doing it for professional purposes. You were you, you're doing it to promote the show. I, I well, I know, but I, I shouldn't have been doing that. I've learned my lesson, coach. Okay. It'll never happen again. All right. So there's no way I'm ever going to go to a wedding and decide to just turn it into like a like a fraternity party for like a bunch of like like 55 year old Polish dudes. Yeah. Why do I get the feeling, big dog? Down your throat. (laughs) That's not the first time that that has happened to you. So that that's a lesson you've had a little bit of trouble learning. Yeah, but I actually like this one, so maybe I'll listen Uh this time, Coach. Okay. There's a big difference. You didn't wear your this year man outfit to the wedding, did you? No, but. uh, normally, the stuff that I wore underneath the this year man outfit, I didn't even have on underneath the suit. By the way, so oh, oh, that that could be problematic. Maybe that's why the girlfriend's mad at you. That that that, wow. that could be an issue too. Wow, well, that's outstanding. But I'm glad you were uh, passing the card out, spreading the truth. Because uh, looking at our ratings, big dog, we could certainly use help, some uh, listenership help from the Polish community and the Mexican community, two of our great listening audiences. And I'm assuming we got some new listeners today. Uh, yeah, we absolutely are going to have new listeners, and mostly, I will bet you from the kayak tours I've been doing downtown, Coach. Mm-hmm. I did them all weekend, so it's like it, you know I had to be out all night till like four in the morning. Next, you know, I'm on a kayak. Oof. You know what I'm saying? And luckily, I didn't get stopped for KUI. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it, it would have been another morning after situation. You know what I mean? I mean, only I the big dog can. I was going wake it up, but I still knew maybe it was a little a little dangerous uh, to be out there. Goodness, a KUI, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's outstanding. By the way, I was down uh, uh, in the city of Chicago, went to the Taste, walked over to the Chicago River, and spent a few minutes looking over and uh, you know hoping maybe 
just maybe by some sure happenstance that you would be passing by on a tour. I was going, hey, big dog, but uh, did not see you. How far do you do you make it down near like Navy Pier? Um, well, we do the when we do those. It's on Wednesday and Saturday nights with the fireworks pedals. We go okay. all the way out that way. Okay, but when uh, uh, we, you can either rent them. Or you can go on like on a workout tour where we just go south towards Chinatown. But if like you if you do the tour with me, mm-hmm. which which by the way, coach, and I'm not just patting myself on the back. If you're listening out there in the Chicago area, come on out. Everybody that I've been doing with this has been like it's it's a blast and they're loving it. And I absolutely love doing it. So uh I, I mean if you just you know contact me, Joel Wanski at Yahoo, or just contact them at mm-hmm. waterriders.com with one R waterriders.com. Uh, and just tell me you want the big dog special, and mm-hmm. we'll hook up a package for you. So, How uh, was the uh, little uh, last weekend? I know the tippets was uh, not very acceptable. We put a plea out to our listeners out there to remember to tip your waitress. How was uh, this week? I would think on a holiday weekend, people were in a, in a giving mood. Okay, well, um, the the guys told me they're like, hey, if you do this really good, you'll, you'll get twenty, and maybe on a good day you'll get forty. Uh, mm-hmm. On Friday, uh, eighty five. On, on Saturday. Ninety. Wow. And on and then Sunday, a hundred and ten. Nice. Uh, all I can say, these people are raving about it. They're like, please. They're like, come tell all our friends. I'm not kidding you, coach. Mm-hmm. I can't explain. How, like, this has been my calling. This is the job I was supposed to have my own. Outstanding. Outstanding. Are you getting so, to do them by yourself now, or is the uh, the owner yeah, still? I it, and then I and I have. Uh, usually, I have another guy with me, mm-hmm. and I'll let them do like like a couple stops. Okay. You know what I mean? So it isn't all just me, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So. Kayak tours, the big dog getting a little uh, greenery thank you at the post tour. That's very, very nice, and I'm oh, sure yeah, well-deserved. Yeah. And, you're and, I, and, Coach, and by the way, I split all that. So, so it's not like I keep all that. Oh, who do you I, split it with? I, I split uh, the guy that goes out on the tour with me, even though I, you know, I do most of the talking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He really makes it easier for me. Okay. And he he is so smart now. Instead of me helping him get boats out of the water and carry them, mm-hmm. you know what he does? Joel, just get up to the top and say goodbye to everybody. He doesn't even mess around him. He'll ah, carry every boat. Okay. He's a, so in other words, he knows he knows with your ombudsman-type personality that uh, he'll do the hard work. You're pretty good at uh, getting the the old green handshake. Yeah, so I, I, I like you. a man that is, thinks on his toes and would rather do a little extra work because he knows it's for the whole good. You know what I mean? That sounds like the two of you are an outstanding team. And, and we also have another kid, Jordy. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And check out. Do you know Pomona College out in Southern California? Absolutely, it's part of that. Uh, there's like little four or five different schools out there. Scripps, I know the Women's College. There's a bunch of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Claire, it, Claremont. It just so happens that like the, if you live in the Midwest mm-hmm. they, and go to Pomona College, you all work at WaterRiders.com. So like all these kids <laughs> are down there. And I'm not kidding you. It's like yeah. I mean, I'm like, how many kids are in your school? There's like a thousand, isn't it? It's not that big of a school. It's like McMurray. It's one of those, and like they all work at Water Riders. These kids, they're all good kids. That's but. a pretty hot shot school, too. Very tough to get in. I'm surprised they're working at WaterRiders.com and they're not working at, uh, you know, uh, Price Waterhouse instead of WaterRiders.com. Coach, Coach, uh, I, I know like uh, those internships, you make pretty decent money over there, but yep. I need for these guys are making a lot better money than you would okay. think they would probably be making. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, it's it's playtime ninety nine percent of the time for us. I understand that. I just I'm a little surprised that folks from Pomona, a, a fairly high ranking school, would be doing that. I mean, I understand the theory behind that. I, I applied to Pomona coming out of high school, big dog, and got a rather surly letter back. It wasn't only a rejection letter. On the bright side, it was a personal rejection letter. 
So I appreciated the personal touch, but it was a little nasty. By the way, and are you downplaying Mac Murray's uh, institution? Wait, 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 it's okay. It's okay that I went to Mac Murray. Yes. That I, I can get wet in the Chicago River and, yes. and tell stories of our city. I pro- you are ripping Mac Murray. Kyle. I probably. Well, I don't know about ripping him, but I like the, your first expression. I'm downplaying it a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's a pretty good institution, Coach. Absolutely. I never applied to McMurray. I should have. I don't think I knew McMurray existed. Well, no, there was applying. no reason for you to because yeah. if, if you weren't a, a 301 pound young lady, there was no reason for you to go there. <laughs> how many people, David Olson, do you think? I don't know how many McMurray have. How many do you think? You know, it's in Jacksonville, Illinois. How many do you think apply thinking, you know, they see Jacksonville? And they get in the school, they think they're going to a small school, and they go there for the weather for Florida and realize, as their parents are taken there, that it's actually Jacksonville. I bet they get a little spillover from yeah. mistakeage. Right? Well, well, if it happens, Coach, i got to say something. Those are the type of people that really need the Mac Murray education, yeah. okay, if they're that dumb. Hey, let's, road trip, what, what, man, road trip. How long is it to Fort Lauderdale? Oh, about uh, 20 hours. What? Huh? In, We're in Jacksonville. <laughs> In a very similar life mixed up, uh, the, the, our football team was recruiting one of the top players in Texas by the name of Robert Nickman. Yeah, see, well, be. they sent a letter to a kid that from the same school that also happened to have the same name as Robert Nickman, mm-hmm. okay, coincidentally. So he, uh, he he said, yes, I would love to play football for Mac Murray. He freaked out. This guy's one of the, it was the top recruit around. He shows up and he happens to be a five foot seven, hundred and thirty five pound uh, white boy who ended up having to, to open up. And I'm not making fun of this. He's a good kid. He's a little weird. He's definitely he was a, a very strange man. Yeah, this is a true story. Yes, but the he, guy? Uh, he he like started the the gay uh, council <laughs> uh-huh. at McMurray College. Okay. You know what I mean? For like so that people can go on and just be themselves. Uh-huh. It's, it, it, it's a true story. <laughs> he he kind of was like, "This is a superstar, coach." He had never played football. Never. Before. So he didn't. He didn't call the school or double check things. He just said, "Thank you very much for offering me the uh, football scholarship, and I'll see you on uh, August 18th." Yes, and, and uh, <laughs> I mean, he was beyond worst, the worst football player you've ever seen. There was no reason for him to be out there, mm-hmm. and people would pick on him and destroy him. <laughs> and he was tough enough that he wanted just to make it through the season, uh-huh. like and not and and. Uh, I, 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 like, started protecting him, not letting him know I was protecting him either. And one day I was like, he played defense, and I was backside tight end, and just as usual, I sprint where I'm supposed to be, and I find somebody to hit even in practice. And I just happened to see somebody next to me. I dropped my hips, and I launched myself, and I got him underneath the helmet and his chin. And all of a sudden, I know I knew it was Nick, man. I tried to go wimp coach and not hit him as hard as, you know what I mean? Like, last second, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to kill Nick. And I hit him under, coach, I almost killed him. He had, like, he had to get like 20 stitches on his chin. Mm-hmm. I felt really bad. And I was like, I didn't want to tell him, you know, I've been trying to protect you all season. That's and classic. instead, I looked like I'm the assassin and I was the guy picking on him all year. That is so. classic. What did, what did the coach say when the kid showed up? He thought he was getting one of the top recruits in the country and uh, instead, 5,735 and a 6.040. Quite, quite honestly, we never, we never knew, uh, what his actual, <laughs> what his, uh, <laughs> we have no idea what happened with that. And, and coach, I, I, this is no joke. We, I go to Quincy at a, uh, the junior varsity game, and he still can't play junior varsity game. There's no, they can't put him on the field. So I always go there to support the teammates. So I'm on the sidelines watching the, the JV play on a Monday, okay? And they put Dickman in for a play. And we're like, oh, my, we're going to put Dickman in, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he throws a pass from Quincy, 
I swear, Coach, I cannot make this stuff. I, I know this sounds like I'm making up, but all this stuff is true. This kid comes running in and trips, and when he falls, the ball had gotten tipped and it landed on him. <laughs> His only play, he got an interception. Coach, we ran off the sideline. This is like in the middle of the fourth quarter. The game still has like five or six minutes to go. Everybody ran. Even the coaching staff was out there. Like we like picked the kid up and carried him off the field. We were losing like thirty nothing in the JV game. Okay, They're like afterwards, like one of the players, of course, was like, "What the heck was going on?" And I told him what it, and they they even thought it was funny. They 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 were like, "We could not believe you guys ran on the field in the middle of a football game." That's unbelievable. To carry him off. So. Instead instead of Rudy, they should have made a you know a hit movie. Would have had a better uh, listening audience. They should have called the Dickman. I coach. That's I a better story than Rudy. I made the nicknames up at McMurray College. Mm-hmm. That was the nickname I gave him was Rudy. I'm not kidding with that. Cool. That was what I called him okay. the whole time. I thought maybe so. you gave him the nickname Dickman. And that <laughs> so would have been a problem. I gave him the nickname Rudy. <laughs> okay. Especially when he became head of the gay coalition, but that's a whole other story. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the weekend, Big Dog. We hope everybody yeah. out there enjoyed their 4th of July weekend. We'll talk sports and uh, more. But if you got some stories, some more to the Big Dogs, even uh, if it's not as entertaining, strange... Funny, enjoyable, weird, scary. Anything happened 4th of July you want to talk about? Big Dog and the Coach right here for you. User-friendly sports talk radio, 888-463-6748. You were downtown, Big Dog. You were on the river. Did you get down to the taste of Chicago? I did make a visit over the weekend. No, I did not, Coach. I did not. And uh, I was downtown Friday night hanging out in the, you know, hanging out in Streeterville. Uh Uh, The girlfriend got a, 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 called Hotel double tree down there nice she's all mad i gotta we gotta stay in a three-star so I, I, uh-huh. now i'm trying to get high flute like her you know what i mean uh-huh. so it's, it's cool. <laughs> separate rooms so, i hope just in case uh, yeah, your mom's listening separate beds separate also. rooms okay separate beds so very good we both had two beds and two rooms we had four beds <laughs> so yeah, just but, in uh, case mrs redwanski is watching you know they hey it's the extra pay to keep things above uh above board mrs redwanski yeah. You got to. Yeah, absolutely. No question. But, but uh, you know, a long-time food guy like yourself, a connoisseur of the different taste, you you almost could be the mascot for the taste of Chicago, Big Dog. You need to be down there amongst the coach, people. Coach, uh, maybe, maybe one day, but I can't even – I'm not kidding you. I'm, I kind of have a little bit of anxiety, unless there are a bunch of hippies, because some reason, like, hippies, even if they smell really bad, mm-hmm. they give you personal space. So, like, I could be at a Grateful Dead concert or, like, a Pearl Jam show mm-hmm. have hundreds of thousands of people in the parking lot, and you can walk around, and people will stop, let you walk by, you keep uh-huh. walking, nobody bumps into you, you don't have to worry about your pocket getting uh, stolen. Mm-hmm. Walking on Michigan Avenue on Friday, I, it was unbelievable. You, you got, like, uh, a group of, like, 18 Chinese tourists who will just, like, knock you over as they try to cross <laughs> the street. You're like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. And then next thing you know, there's, like, Thug life comes up to you and is like, yo, yo, yo. I mean, it's just unbelievable, man. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm, I just don't like it out there. So. Yeah. Uh, you see so. 18 Asian tourists uh, walking on your side. You, be, you best get to the other side of the road. And then, no question and then you about have, that. Then you have the old white man who smells like wet dog because he's been sweating all day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, oh, goodness. I still remember your story about your, uh, your policeman friend who went undercover at the Taste of Chicago and dressed up as, as a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. So I, and I relayed that story to my kids as we're down there. We were, so we were looking at all the various, you know, strange looking people and trying yeah. to figure out which of these weird looking, strange looking individuals is actually like, you know, like one guy, the strangest guy out there. We, we nicknamed him the chief of police. We thought maybe he was the head guy. We were trying to figure out who actually 
One guy that was, you know, completely wasted, dancing to the tune. There wasn't even a group playing, but he was dancing. We nicknamed him the Chief. But uh, <laughs> we, we we figured there were a lot of undercover people out there trying to figure out which homeless guy was the actual undercover policeman. You know, it's funny because if I would have saw that guy, I was like, hey, look, that guy's chiefing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, slang term, that's what we call people who are acting like they're all gooped up on God. Yes. Well, he's, and it's funny, you guys called him the Chief. The Chief. It, yeah. It's kind of funny. I would have had almost the same nickname for him. And by the way, let's give a big thumbs up for those undercover cops and those boys in blue. Did you hear what happened on Sunday, Coach? Uh, there did... was um, a family uh, uh, from the from the West Side, oh, a yes. Mexican family. Yes. And uh, they're having a good time at the beach, and, and the dad is watching the nephews and the sons and, you know, the other kids. Yep. And just for a split second, because it's the beach and you got a bunch of kids, um, he didn't know that there was some guy that had been like stalking them a little bit, but he had noticed this guy earlier and he said, man, that guy's strange. Mm-hmm. The guy picks up the boy and uh, the dad like knew immediately like something was going on because this is only seconds. The guy turns around, grabs his son back from the guy. Mm-hmm. The guy ends up being an unregistered sex offender. Yep. Yeah, right right in the middle of a crowded beach, he basically uh-huh. snatches the kid and takes a couple of steps down the stairs. Well, you know, you know, credit the policeman they caught him, but but first credit the dad for the quick for the quick reaction and the snatching back of his two year old kid. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, and yeah, the kid doesn't know what's going on, and yep. I mean, well, stuff like that just makes me so sick. I can't even like describe like like abusing kids. I, I can't deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, I don't know. Well, hopefully this guy's off the streets, and and you know what, and. Supposedly he's sick. You know, there's some people are sick in a way like that, like children. And obviously yeah. you have to have a disease in order to do that. But yeah, like, just no like excuse. legitimately is like, yeah. like freaked out, schizophrenic. Like you don't want to be around this guy at all because he'll just snap on you. Mm-hmm. And the next day he's like like the sweetest guy in the world. So mm-hmm. he's like really emotionally distraught. Yeah, I read where, um, was it the Chicago police? I think finally caught this. This guy's like 71 years old now. And uh, this murder happened, I don't know, like 30, 40, oh, 40 years ago. I, 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 and, yeah, there was like yeah. a murder in the 50s that somebody just yeah. got caught for. I did not read it. I had never I heard of the story. It, two two girls are like seven, eight years old playing on the playground. And the, the guy says, hey, you want you guys want a piggyback ride? The one girl takes off to go get her gloves, pick them up from the playground or whatever. By the time she comes back, the other girl is gone. They find her dead. And, and the guy was an original suspect apparently in the case. But they kind of wrote him off. Apparently, he had an alibi. And then, like, what, 40 years later, they finally catch the dude. He's 71 years old now, and apparently he's the guilty one. Well, you know, hey, justice takes time, I guess, Big Dog. No, no, justice doesn't take time because, Coach, I, 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 would, you, I would hate to think. Guys that do that to little girls don't do it once. So yeah. that, that's really sad. Because the guy's out there for 40 years probably doing Who yep. knows how many times he did yep. it in 40 years. Yep, I'm sure they're going over a lot of the unsolved cases from – Days going by it and seeing if he's committed some of those two, checking the DNA and some of the circumstances there. You're probably right. Hopefully, and, and by the way, in, in the weird turn of events and irony of the worst kind, the dude became uh, a policeman. He was a cop oh. for about ten or fifteen years in, out in oh. Seattle, I think. Oh, that's even worse. Though. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah, that's, and then he got kicked uh, off the police force for some sexual allegation thing. So there you go. So he obviously yep. did not stop. It's not like yep. So, you know, I was, uh, uh, well, you know, my, my, my brother has a condo downtown, so he was with, uh, he was with the kids and stuff, so I was hanging out with them. On, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, just the thought, I mean, I can't, I would snap, coach. There would be, there would be nothing that I wouldn't, uh, that I would do to, like, make sure nothing ever happened to these kids like that, so. Yep.
All right, 888-463-674. Our lead story, by the way, as we get to the world of sports, has to do with taste. And, uh, you know, we lead from the taste of Chicago to the big sporting event of the weekend. Yes, there was baseball. Yes, we got Wimbledon and the Tour de France to talk about. But the lead story, by the way, on the taste of Chicago, quick reminder, uh, write it down for next year. Do not – I had a lot of good stuff there, Big Dog. But uh, please stay away from the rice, red rice and beans and the jerk chicken. I had a bad uh, – it was a bad four tickets. Let me just put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how much you say? It you sounded good. It sounded good. Red rice and beans and the jerk chicken, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was not good. Okay. Um, There's a lot of people sick the last couple days. Well, you know, you go to taste, you get some, you get some really good stuff, and then you know, you try different things and you get some bad stuff. But uh, the the jerk chicken and me did not get along well. But the big story of the weekend, Big Dog, I know you're a big fan of this event for many and many years out at uh, Brooklyn, New York. Coney Island would be the exact location. I don't know if it was the 15th, 16th annual hot dog eating contest and one of your heroes in life, one of the great, I think you can call him one of the great athletes of our time, Joey Chestnut, won again, I think his fifth consecutive hot dog eating championship, a true great American. It is his fifth, but you said 15th or 20th, Coach. Let's give this the... Let's give this the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. Oh, what do they call it? What's the name of it? It's the name of the hot dog that they're eating. Uh, Nathan's. Nathan's. Uh, this is going on for over 100 years. What? 100 and, years? Uh, let's, let me throw this out there. Joey Chestnut is not my idol. Joey Chestnut is not the greatest hot dog eater in the world. Kobayashi was <laughs> in Brooklyn yesterday. Did you hear that? exactly the same time. <laughs> Eating exactly the same hot dogs, 869. Uh, it's outstanding. But he won't sign a contract with Major League Eating. <laughs> this is the, uh, coach. Well, he, I, I gotta say, they need to pay him. They need to step up because Kobayashi made it international, okay? <laughs> and now, uh, honestly, Joey Chester ain't the greatest eater in the world. Kobayashi is. Period. Well, and no, Kobayashi might have been. I would question that a little bit. First of all, the circumstances Kobayashi were. 69 yesterday. I understand that, but he, he did it away from the Madden crowd. He did it on his own, no pressure. No, 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 no. He did it in front of the cameras. He did it in front of the crowd. And, People, and I, I can tell you one thing. They had a lot more... Uh, <laughs> They had a lot more viewers in Japan, and they had a lot more viewers worldwide than the Nathan's Hot Dog Day contest did. If you're not aware of the controversy, uh, apparently Kobayashi last year in some rule mix-up or some kind of protest, he actually stormed the stage and tried to attack a few of the judges. He was suspended. He didn't try to attack anybody. He well, just walked up there and wanted to just like, hey, I'm missing. Why am I missing? Because uh, these guys won't step up to the table. That's all. He wasn't trying to attack anybody. They're the ones that picked him up and started throwing him around. You're like the guy at the bar, like some a guy bumps into the bouncer, all of a sudden the bouncer starts beating him up. Uh-huh. And then you're like, yeah, that guy got rough. He's an idiot. Mess with the bouncer. Yeah. So what? The coach Kobayashi didn't do anything last year. That's my Kobayashi's my boy. Kobayashi. Kobayashi. One time ate 100 habaneros in two minutes. Oh boy. Okay. I'm not sure what I, I'm not sure what a habanero is, but it sounds spicy. And I don't think I eat a hundred. Habanero is the spiciest chili Woo! pepper in the world. Wow! The man can—he's got the heat factor down. And he, uh, he, I forget what it was. He ate something like it was like a, a five-gallon slushy or something like that. He was able to finish in like. I mean, so you talk about cold, the brain freeze. You know how that's crazy stuff, Coach. He's got heat. He's got cold. And he ate 69 hot dogs yesterday. Kobayashi apologist Joe Radwanski joining us here in the Two Guys in a Mic show. Joey Chestnut wins the contest on stage in front of the fans. He downed 62 hot dogs and buns. By the way, 
quick kudos to a second place big dog right here from the city of Chicago. He's a up and comer, possibly one of the uh, you know new athletic stars the United States will have to offer. A guy's name is Pat Bertoletti from Chicago. He took second place, putting away fifty three hot dogs and buns. So he's a comer. But what you're talking about is Kobayashi and protest held his own at the exact same time. Yes. At the uh, I think it was on the roof of a restaurant bar in the nearby vicinity, and he unofficially competed against Joey Chestnut and put 69 away, but they would not mark that down as an all-time record that was not recognized. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. We all know who ate 69 hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And trust me, he ain't cheating. He's honorable. He ate Nathan hot dogs. There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, there's controversy. Now, whether is this a sport? Is this a sport? Okay, let's figure it out. What athletes do and what competitive eaters do, Coach? They have to train, right, in order to get yep. good at it. No question. Okay. Well, these guys, they train like madmen in order to do this. Uh, another thing is you got to kind of be physically gifted and a little bit off mentally. Yep. In, in some, well, that's definitely. And how about this? After playing your sport for years, it should be your body should be beat up and worse off for going through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, i got to tell you something. If you're practicing on eating 69 hot dogs at a time, you're going to die pretty early. I, I, I call it a sport. Now, if you're willing to take in enough sodium that would last you a normal person for about seven months in ten minutes, then then if you're willing to do that to your mm-hmm. body, yes, you can call it a sport if you want to. Go right yeah. ahead. Because there's no way in the world I would ever do that to myself. Yeah, so it's similar to a football. I'd hit by a car coach and do that to myself. Yeah, I mean, it sounds absolutely brutal. You know, football players have the concussion threat and, you know, threat of serious injury each and every time they play. And you forgot also with athletes comparing the, uh, the hot dog eaters, the ability to overcome pain. And, you know, at difficult moments, you got to yeah. fight through it. I guarantee mm-hmm. they're not enjoying it. And so, you know, that ability to get past that mark and go to the finish line. Yeah, Dave. Well, what some of these guys do, too, is they practice. Oh, no question. So so they're like sitting there eating 50 or 60 hot dogs outside of competition, too. Mm-hmm. And I forget, one of the guys said, you know, he would practice three days a week, and the other four days a week he wouldn't eat at all. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. And then a couple days beforehand, I think they don't eat, but they do drink. Because if you drink the fluids, it expands the stomach. Yeah, yeah they have to keep the stomach expanded. Yeah, it, is, it is actually pretty sick. but uh, And eh. you have to keep your body fat as low as possible. Because if you have body fat on you, it takes up area in your stomach. Mm-hmm. So you're better, your stomach can expand and stretch more if there's not fat there to, to hold it in, believe it or not. Does, I mean, know that's... When I was watching sports science with John Brankus talking about the sports science of eating, mm-hmm. it was absolutely, it was pretty cool, Coach. Do you know what? They jump when they're so full they can't get the, if you jump, it'll move your stomach around. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you're, when the when there's so much weight in your stomach that when your stomach lands, the, the tube that goes from your esophagus down, you know, oh. hits your stomach. Yeah. It kind of expands and the food gets forced down into your I stomach. Agree. That's why those guys jump up and down. Yikes. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was just natural excitement. Oh goodness! Hearing that, wow! All right, there's a, there's our lead sports story of the weekend: the Coney Island Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Congratulations to Kobayashi and um, the kid from Chicago. What's his name? Uh, he's Hawaiian Punch. Pat Bertolotti. Pat Bertolotti. We also have to credit the Black Widow Big Dog. And the first time ever they held the women's competition, Sonia Thomas, the Black Widow, who's about uh, 68 pounds soaking wet, she wins the women's contest, putting away 40 hot dogs and buns and other impressive athletic performance. To me, me that's even more impressive, Coach, because legitimately she's five foot tall. Yep. 
and she's 105 pounds. Wow. And she eats 40 hot dogs. And every guy there is extremely impressed when they watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be too crazy, but it, and she's cute. I'm not kidding you. The girl's kind of cute. You watch her doing it. It's just unbelievable. Can you imagine taking her out on a date? Oh, I met this real nice girl. She's tiny. She'll probably just want to have a salad. <laughs> then, you know, she's like, hey, let's go to Old Country Buffet. What? You know? <laughs> she's like, she's full oh. of over your plate eating it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, buffet, you're okay. Uh, financially, at least. You know, it's one price. You know, it's the problem is if you go to a pick and choose menu, then look out. You're in big trouble. But I remember there was a time when you uh, you were you were near stalking. I mean, near trying to date a black widow, Sonia Tommy. You had a long time crush on the black widow, did you not? Uh, I did. I, 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 still, I it's still there, Coach. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fading. Okay. It's, it's a so the, the the crush is still there, but the ankle bracelet is off. Is that what you're telling? <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I don't mess with a girl that can down forty hot dogs. They they pack a punch, Coach. No, I would hope not. We got to get to baseball, but first, a couple other things happening over the weekend. Tour de France took off, big dog. Stage to stage coverage. Right here on the two guys at a mic show. They're on stage number four. Nothing dramatic has happened just yet. Let me see if I uh, get my homework here. Oh, the kid from Norway, Thor Hushvet, is in the lead. But you saw a United States uh, uh, kid won the yesterday's competition. What do they call it? That stage. The stage. Uh, the tour. Kind of nice that someone from the U.S. won it on the 4th of July. I thought that was kind of nice. Oh, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. There was a... It was a cool 4th of July overall for the United States team world. A bunch of good stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I, you know, I, I really have never watched it, but last night I was falling asleep on Versus, and I found out, you know, like, when the morning after a lot of uh, partying, golf is a great, great sport to watch, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, when you're trying to go to bed at night, two of the friends go, oh, my goodness, <laughs> that's the way you got to go to bed. You know what I mean? Because it's... Uh-huh. it's there's really nothing to get excited about. Those guys stay in the monotone boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like, you know, it's not like you're going to freak out because somebody passed somebody because mm-hmm. nobody yeah. passes anybody. Yeah. Counting sheep is, is very uh, old and passe. You watch some bicyclists in a bicycle contest, that'll put you to sleep quicker than the counting sheep. But I, I never noticed this one stage that they really showing on versus last night. So I don't mean to, I don't know if that happened yesterday afternoon or the day before or whatever, but mm-hmm. there was like a road along a beach. They were like along. They were riding along the Mediterranean. I, I had never noticed that particular stage before. It was beautiful, coach. It was, they, they were not riding on the beach, though. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, but along the beach. No, okay. obviously. Because yeah. that now that would be a real heck. Have you ever tried bicycling in the sand? Be like, why oh, is my this stage? Why is this stage only a sixth of a mile long? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, we'll cover the Tour de France uh, stage-to-stage coverage here. Alberto Contador, by the way, probably the most recognizable name now that uh, Lance Armstrong no longer part of it. He's back like in 60th place, one of the uh, favorites from Spain. But long way to go in that particular contest. We should m- uh, mention Women's World Cup. Big dog, the United States won again over the weekend. They're 2-0, and got a big match against Sweden tomorrow, but 3 to nothing. So, so far, our United States ladies looking very, very good. Uh, coach, uh, Pia Sud, Sudenheich. The coach. Sudenheich. Yes. Um, I don't think I've ever, I never, I didn't know who the woman was before this. Never heard of her. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anything about her. Just watching the way this team is prepared and listening to this woman speak and listening to how these players are so focused and all they care about is coming together as a team. I am just thoroughly impressed with this woman as a coach is all I'm saying. She's doing a phenomenal job. And obviously it's easy to say that when your team is up two nothing in a, in a, in a tournament and played, uh, you know, one and a half incredible halves. Mm-hmm. 
But let's face it, coach. This isn't she isn't this isn't your typical approach most coaches have with teams. You know what I mean? She's she's very like player oriented, but like and she keeps it that way as long as everybody's focused and doing everything together as a team, and that's all they care about. And like normally, you know, like when players get benched or or whatever, they sometimes they get a little upset. Like that move yeah. that she made with Columbia, because I guess Columbia has all those girls that want to. They have the defenders that want to push the ball. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, you know, most teams would be like, oh, we better have a midfield that is really good defensively. So her idea was, no, no, no. If they want to push the ball, we need to put our best offensive players at the midfield so yep. that we can burn them. Yep. And that's how they scored all their goals. And it wasn't like one of their better players, but it was a girl. I don't know what her name was, so I hope you yeah. know, Coach. But they put her in the game because she, she's not good defensively, but she's like, I don't know, I guess she was a great offensive player, and that's what won the game. Yeah, she was supposed to be the starting, I think, right outside, but they started Rachel Cheney the first game. So for more offense, like you're talking about, they moved Rachel Cheney to the front line as a striker, brought the blonde-haired girl in who had who had been benched in a somewhat controversial move. I forget her name. She scored the first or second goal of the game, put her in at the midfield. But the bottom line is what the team is doing is they're mixing and matching, and then it's a, it's a deep team. You might as well play your bench, big dog, instead of just playing the same players all the time. Mm-hmm. And they rested the uh, veteran, 33-year-old, 34-year-old Shannon Box. And, uh, you know, at her age, you know, resting the legs is probably a good thing. Get her ready for the Sweden game. So good match. Yeah, another thing that they're worried about is, like, uh, their, their, their inspirational leader. I don't know how many goals and assists uh, yep. she's had over a career, but Abby Wambach's had a groin injury. So wow. And they're playing Sweden now. And it's still a big game because I know they've qualified, but you want to avoid Brazil until yes. the final if you can. And, yep. and so you want to be able to beat Sweden. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just... For the simple fact, these girls are playing so awesome right now. Let's continue the role and have them keep on playing good football, so mm-hmm. they can, uh, you know, go into the tournament up three zero and really confident. Yeah, no, it's a real big game against Sweden, no question mm-hmm. about it. Quick, because they uh, get to the final eight, you don't want to meet that tough team in the first round. You want to make sure you get there to the semifinals, then at least you're guaranteed of playing. What the worst that could happen is you're playing for a third place game. Yeah, which exactly. for the United States, I know they want to win gold, but you get to the final four and you're doing pretty well at that particular time. So good luck to the women. One forty-five tomorrow, they take on Sweden. All is good so far in the World Cup. The action's been outstanding. Uh, we should also mention Wimbledon tennis came to a close over the weekend. Big dog, twenty-one-year-old Petra Kvitova defeated Maria Sharapova, uh, very young, and I think that was her first major championship. And then on the men's side, how cool is it? The two favorites met and. Uh, uh, Djokovic, did I get the last name right this time? Yeah, you got it, Djokovic. Coach. Novak Djokovic finally got over the hump, won the Wimbledon tournament, beat Rafael Nadal in four sets. Pretty good tennis, big dog. Wimbledon comes to a close. Yeah, the only uh, I didn't get to watch it, uh, but the only thing I can tell you about that is uh, my brother, who was downtown, woke up early in the morning on Saturday and was watching the final. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, or Sunday morning, whatever it was. I was like, wow, that's that's a, that's a nice shirt that Nadal has on, and. Uh, he went and walked over to the Nike Town and said, "I wanted the Dell shirt. Cost him sixty-five bucks. He put it on, and and and, and, he, and it made him look skinny, Coach. That's all. <laughs> that's the only thing I had to say about that is, my brother actually saw an athlete wearing something on mm-hmm. television, put the remote down, and went and bought the shirt. Wow. I, I, I mean, how often? I wouldn't do you even know where. Where do you go to buy a Rafael Nadal shirt? Nike Town, my old my old stomping grounds, oh, where okay. I used to. You know, Coach, that used to happen to me all the time. But I didn't actually know anybody that was uh, foo-foo enough to go do it until my brother. Mm-hmm. And I love the man. But when he told me that, I, I was I, I was a little envious. 
because he can just go out and just drop 65 bucks on a, on a shirt because he feels like it. And mm-hmm. also a little bit like, I'm glad I'm not like that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I'll tell you, jo- Djokovic is thinner than Nadal. He's a pretty... uh pretty... Yeah, he's a lanky guy. He's, yeah. a, he's a lanky guy. He's, yeah. uh, you wonder uh, where he gets the power from. No, it's... It's about you open, you fly your hips open right, and you follow through with your hands. Mm-hmm. I don't care what size you are. I mean, Corey Pavin used to hit the ball as a golfer about three miles. You know what I mean, Coach? It's your technique. If you do things properly, yeah. like uh, like Tim Lincecum, I mean, that delivery yeah. isn't for anybody but for him. It's a perfect delivery, and look, he his hips fly open, and arm follows through, and bam, he's throwing 97-mile-an-hour fastball, and he's 165 pounds. Mm-hmm. Technique and timing. Oh, yeah. Technique and timing. All right. Tennis expert Joe Rodwanski did a tremendous job, by the way, covering the Wimbledon uh, Wimbledon Tennis Tournament for us. Big dog, you broke it down extremely well and uh, did a heck of a job as our tennis expert. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah, I I thank you, Coach. Yeah. Just as long as I get to say Agnieszka Radwanska one more time, I have no problem with it. Yeah, well, that was disappointing for you because she got knocked out early in the tournament. So sorry sorry about that. she she, She never even teases me. Okay, mm-hmm. ever. It's always the same thing, Coach. She always loses early. Yeah, so. but at least you were teased a little bit uh, by, if I recall, last Thursday, a slight attraction to men's quarterfinalist Joe Wilfried Songa. So you got that thrill. No, okay, i got to admit, Coach, he doesn't look like a tennis player to me, and not because he's of African descent. Mm-hmm. What, he's got like a fat face. He looks like a, he looks like a guy that should be playing... Strong side linebacker for for like the Carolina Panthers. Uh-huh. A little puffy in the face. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I saw the guy, are you kidding me? This guy's playing tennis? He, he's a man <laughs> of surprising girth for the sport of tennis. Looks a little bit like uh, PGA golfer Vijay Singh, just a little bit. Uh, yeah, Vijay, face, a large man. Like in the face he does, but body-wise, yeah. absolutely not. He, he would, Vijay would have to start eating a little bit more rice and fish in order to hang with the... Uh, really? Because VJ's VJ's pretty big guy. Oh, rice and fish. He'd have to lose weight. No, 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 no. I mean, no, Song is bigger than him, Coach. That's why. A lot bigger. Okay. At least that's what I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's what it appeared to me. Mm-hmm. Right. VJ's a pacifist anyways. He'd have no chance. <laughs> All right, let's move to baseball. You mentioned Timmy Lensacombe. We'll uh, make that transition into the world of baseball. It's our little 4th of July weekend recap here with the big dog and the coach. Again, phone lines open. You want to check in, talk sports and more, anything that happened over the weekend that uh, got your particular interest, feel free to give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 888-463-6748. The phone number, Big Dog. First of all, just to recap the weekend, Cubs, Sox. It was Sox taking two out of three. The Cubs did take the third game. It was not as good a baseball as the first City Series, but uh, bottom line is the White Sox took two out of three, so I guess a win for them. Well, I didn't get this. I didn't see one pitch. And because I was doing a tour during every one of the games, but mm-hmm. are you saying it wasn't like well played and the execution wasn't good? Because well, are you saying like one nothing games are boring? No, I would say that secondarily. I, I think what was there one one nothing game, but I think the, the the first series, all three games were tight, suspenseful, highly intense. This this series, I don't think had the uh, the intensity level. I, I'm going to first one. One hundred twenty six thousand yeah. people came out to this series at Wrigley Field. This this weekend, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I didn't see one pitch, so I, I can't talk to the intensity. But there was three games. The Cubs are winning four two in the seventh and lose six four. That seems like a pretty tight game. A one nothing game is a pretty tight game to me. What was the what was the Sunday game? 
when the Cubs won. Rodrigo Lopez. That was a that was like a three one game or two one game, wasn't it? Shutting down the White Sox, yeah. Uh huh. So I mean, I, I, the games were tight. I'm not, but I can't speak to the intensity, coach, mm-hmm. because obviously I didn't see it. But I, I, I would have those are three pretty close games. Well, and I continue watching the uh, Cubs, and I continue making the comment that I have never seen a major league team, big dog, get into it zero and two and one and two counts a as quick and b as often as the Chicago Cubs. It's amazing. Yeah, and not just one or two hitters, but consistently across the board, you know, I, they get I love behind the count. Hitters. I love aggressive hitters. Cal Ripken was one. Andre Dawson was one. Okay. Yeah, but if you're going to be an aggressive hitter, you have to hit. Yes. Not well, foul yeah. off two pitches and be zero and two. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to hammer this pitch. You should be like, I'm going to hammer my pitch. Yes. My pitch, not the pitcher's pitch. You're swinging at everything. It's like, well, it, it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Cubs lose crazy. yesterday. The uh, Nationals knock them off. Five to four again. They had a lead, big dog. Four to two. I think fairly late in the game. Kerry Wood coming back from his uh, injury. He has been something less than sharp, and I'm being very nice to him. Three walks of a hit batter. I think the game before he did not do very well, so he struggled. Carlos Marmol came in through the wild pitch and blew the game. So our bullpen, the strength of the team, lets the Cubs down yesterday. Yeah, it, it does. And Kerry uh, Wood will be all right because he was he was yeah. pitching phenomenally before the injury. He'll get himself together. He always does that. And he's one of the guys that you know if he has a rough game, he isn't going to go sulking, acting like a, you know he's not a good pitcher anymore. Okay. He'll come out there and grab the bull by the horns. Well, he's, had, he's had two rough games in a row since coming back from the dreaded blister injury. He'll be okay, Coach. Okay. He's going to be. That's, I, I really, I don't worry about him. Mentally, he's as tough as the guy that they have in that locker room. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not worried about him mentally. I'm just worried about him not getting, not able to get people out anymore. No, he, he, he'll be fine, Coach. Okay. He was he was dominant last year. He was really good before the injury. He's okay. I don't know if he was dominant. There were periods, first half first half of the season, there were periods when he was I won't say dominant, but pretty good. But there was also periods when he was struggling. Well, he's going to be all right. Okay. He's still. I mean, he's still got the stuff. Stuff still snaps, yeah. dropped off the table. Here, here's okay. how bad my lack of confidence in Kerry Wood is in right now. When they brought him in. I was hoping for them to bring in Jeff Samarji instead. That's how thing, low things have gotten. Well, I, I, I haven't, I haven't got to that point yet, Coach. Hopefully, <laughs> I never do. Yeah. Well, no. Actually, Samarji pitching pretty well. Injuries continue to, to hammer the Cub. Dempster is out. We're not sure what it is. Something to the core, which I know you're a big fan of, Big Dog. But uh, core yeah. injury. Casey Coleman brought up now. Marcus Mateo, who is pitching pretty good. He goes up probably on the DL, so the injuries continue to haunt, particularly the Cub pitching staff. Uh, coach, I'm going to keep watching this team. I'm going to keep being interested oh, yeah. in them. And every time we have an injury, there's going to be a new young kid that I can yep. see uh, pitch. New uh, guy play the field, play the run the bases. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny. It's like I, I've been hearing other people's critique of some of the Cubs that have come up and play this year, and like somebody, oh, DJ like uh, Gian Greco. Or, DJ LeMay, he was not a major league player. So they need to get rid of him. Well, you decided after 20 at bats that the kid who's had a year and a half in minor leagues is not, no, maybe a year? Yeah, it was a year because he got drafted last June. Mm-hmm. It just cracked me up with these people. You think you know after 20 at bats that a rookie is at? Yeah. And they're writing these kids off already. I, I, I crack up, and he's not the only one ripping all these Cubs rookies. Well, you, you, it's not like you're one rookie. Like Freddie Freeman rolled into an Atlanta Braves team. Do you know what I mean? That is, oh, you're protected. Well, you know, if Freddie Freeman was on the Cubs, he wouldn't be having as good a year as he's having in Atlanta because he wouldn't have all this protection around him in the lineup. 
it's, the Cubs are rolling out five rookies, Coach, and they, they're basically like, you better learn on your own. Very mm-hmm. similar to the late 80s, early 90s Braves. That ended up working out pretty well for the Chicago, mm-hmm. for the Atlanta Braves. So when I, when I hear these people ripping on these players, when you, it's a lot easier if you're, there's one or two rookies as opposed to 12 on your roster. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought DJ LeMayu actually sold some definite. Mm-hmm. Pro potential. I like the kid. I talked about him right away. And it's yeah. interesting you watch the lineup the Cubs are putting out there of late. The last couple of series, maybe Mike Quade says, hey, let's try one more shot with our veterans. But, uh, they, you know, they sent Louis Montanez down. They sent DJ LeMahieu down. And, you know, Alfonso Soriano's been playing more. Marlon Bird back in the lineup. Ramirez and Pena not being substituted as much. So interesting, but they seem to be going with the veterans a little bit more. Big Dub, maybe a temporary thing. Yeah, they, they have been definitely going more with the veterans. But the last, but I think that's going to change again, too. I think they just wanted to go into the Cubs-White Sox series mm-hmm. with their best chance to win. Let, let's face yeah. it. I mean, well, I'm, I'm willing to admit it as a Cubs fan that uh, besides the Cardinals series the rest of the way, the only thing we have to look forward to is possibly maybe like knocking the Brewers out or the Reds out. Mm-hmm. The Cubs are a spoiler right now. So the White Sox series was pretty important, and I think they had a, to try to win it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's. I mean, when it's the other way around, and the Cubs are good and the White Sox are bad, and I say White Sox fans always get upset, but but it's true. Those series are more important for the teams when they're bad, and the bad, Cubs are bad this year. No question about it. White Sox, speaking of the White Sox, they beat KC 5-4 to four yesterday. So Sox, uh, you know, pretty consistent. They win in two out of three series. They're climbing back into the race. I think they're a game under five hundred. Adam Dunn. Actually had a good game. He had a brutal, brutal weekend, but uh, he did get a base hit and a home run yesterday. And then they won in very controversial fashion, Big Dog. I haven't even seen the balk yet. But oh, the, the balk. Absolutely. It was a balk. Well, the fact that it was close. No, it wasn't. And, no, it wasn't. It was well. a balk. Coach, the guy leans forward, goes back, and stops. And even the pitcher realized he balked. And all i got to say is, when they show the White Sox dugout on MLB Network, mm-hmm. okay, before the balk was called by the umpire, like five people in the dugout, balk, they just scream balk. You know what I'm saying? And then you hear the umpire call it, and all the fans go crazy. Wait, what did he do? He, le- he leaned forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's on the rubber. Okay. Uh, he's on the rubber, ball in hand, and he's looking to get the signal. Okay. Four to four to four score, runner on third base, and folks, a ninth inning, and there's two outs. Okay, so he's on the rubber. And he's in a stretch. He's okay, in a stretch. In the stretch. Okay. Hand on his left side, ball on his hip on the right. Wow. Okay? And he's going to get the signal, and mm-hmm. he leans in really big, and then okay. he stops and he comes back and gets the signal. It's a balk. It's a balk. I don't – Coach, I said, well, you shouldn't end the game that way. Yes. Well, he shouldn't balk. Okay? Well, what, wait, wait, wait. What did he do so bad? He leaned in to, yeah, to look at the – he leaned forward. His head moved at least six inches, and then he stopped and looked back into the and get the signal. It's a balk. Even well, but what's, why is that a balk? He like froze up. Why is that even a balk though? Outside of the technical, you know, rule three, paragraph two, section four, article five. You can't there come appeared forward to... and then stop, coach. It's, 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 it's... Right when I he just leaned, balk, he just leaned his right shoulder. Coach, coach, all I know is this. You can't right end the game. I thought I'm watching the game live and yeah. I yell balk. The whole white side dog, I balk. Yeah. But not, everybody yelled balk. Not okay? with two outs, ninth inning, runner on You're third. Ridiculous. You gotta make the White Sox win You're the game. Ridiculous. Huh? That's exactly when you're supposed to call no, it. Oh, okay? come on. Coach. No deception is, involved. The rules don't apply now. The rules don't apply. Go ahead. You guys do whatever you want to. No, that's, come on, come on. No. Who cares if you're outer state? No, 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 I'll, no. I'll determine whether or not the game ends. Now I'm you've, 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 the guy balked. You've okay. taken, you've taken the, 
You've taken the extreme no, and gone to the sublime and the no, ridiculous no, 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 no. with it. Yes. Coach, before you start arguing with me, he didn't move forward a quarter inch. He his head went like six inches forward, and then he goes back, and then he froze. He was like, he realized he barked. The pitcher knew he barked. Mm-hmm. Okay, period. The pitcher, Aaron Crow, stopped right in the middle of what he was doing. It was kind of like, okay. oh, man. But I would have still I mean, argued I mean, in that situation, even if the umpire or the pitcher realized, oops, I might have made a, a little bit of movement with my right shoulder. No, 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 and he no, steps no, off no, the no, rubber no, hoping, he was hoping that it wasn't noticed, so he stepped off the rubber. In my opinion, the umpire should have not called in that particular situation. Again, no deception involved, no advantage gained, runner on third, two outs. You have to make the White Sox win the game. You cannot have the game decided by a twitch of the right shoulder. It wasn't a twitch. You're you're arguing with me and you never even saw it. Okay. Not only did I see it, I saw the replay of Dan Plesak when he saw it. And right when he yelled, balk! Dan Plesak doesn't care whether or not it's a balk. Mm -hmm. Coach, you have to call it. It wasn't a little twitch. The guy started his motion and stopped. It's a balk, period. Okay, or if you don't believe that that's a balk, why don't you just eliminate the rule of balk? No, No, that's that's a cheap way of arguing. Oh, if you're going to call that, why not not have any rules at all? That's that's a bogus part of the argument. You're just just trying to get me riled up. No, the first part of your argument is legitimate, but I hate when people do the, oh, if you're not going to call that, why have any rules at all? Just let people do whatever they want. That's a bunch of crap. What do you mean, who am I to determine? Every umpire and every, every, what? Coach. Come on. Big Dog, you know from being an award-winning or soon-to-be award-winning referee in Chicago Park District flag football and softball. Now, every referee, every umpire, you got to make judgment calls all the yeah. time. Yeah, so, it, it, yeah. It wasn't a judgment call. It was a balk. Well, it was obvious. But he could have used the judgment of not calling it at that particular and time. Then, and then if he uses it, me, Dan Plesak, the Chicago White Sox, everybody that saw the play would be like, wow, he just totally balked and they didn't even call it. That's what would have happened. Okay, right, maybe. it wasn't a kind of balk. It was okay. How, you know how you know how like sometimes like you're watching the game like they call the balk. What did he do? Mm-hmm. I screamed it out right when I saw it. it was a balk. All right. Maybe right, so David Olson before it, move it. before arguing so vehemently, David. Maybe I probably should watch it first. But you know me. That's that's my pet uh, peeve. Without Olson, even seeing it? it, without even seeing it, right away I didn't like it. David Olson, did you see it? I did not, no. Okay. You're, you're the White Sox fan, so that's, I was just hoping maybe you had. But, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, other baseball action around the league. Cleveland knocked off New York 6-3. to three. Indians back in first place. Big dog. Toronto knocked off Boston. So both the Yankees and Boston lose yesterday. And Anaheim knocked off the Tigers 5-3. to three. The Angels. If you recall, my pick to win the uh, American League. To go to the World Series, they were looking shaky. They're back on a pretty good win streak. I think nine of their last 11. So Yankees and Red Sox struggling a bit, and the Anaheim Angels on a roll. Coach, Coach, I'm so happy because the Angels are getting into it. And, and you know, yep. they have they do have legitimate number one starters in mm-hmm. Weaver and Heron. Tory Hunter is uh, Tory Hunter's back in the lineup. Yeah, and they got a, they got a close right there in the game. This Walden kid has just been amazing so far this year. So they think they could get in the playoffs. And if you have two number ones, you can win in the playoffs. And guess what? They don't have a third baseman. The Cubs have a third baseman right now in mm-hmm. Aramis Ramirez that is in the final year of a deal. And he's not killing the ball. He's assassinated. He line drives all over the park the last two weeks. Yep. Hmm. Get on the phone. 
Because I know we're not going to get Mike Trout, their number one prospect coach, who's mm-hmm. the number one prospect in all of baseball. Yep. Have you seen this, this kid? I have not. But since they have him, maybe they're more willing or more apt to get mm-hmm. rid of another good prospect because they already have like this super stud yeah. in their system. Yeah, I think at this point you're not going to get a superstar for Ramos Ramirez, but you should be able to get value. And I think even though he's hitting hot right now in a Ramos, like you had said last week, think on Thursday's show, he, he gave the Cubs a lot of good years, and he, boy, he was one of the toughest outs in clutch situation. But I think most Cub fans mm-hmm. would be okay right now if we sent Aramis and started a new era at third base. Yeah, no, no problem here. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and bash the guy anymore. Like, I, I don't know how many other Cubs had, like, hit 290 with 27 home runs and mm-hmm. drove in 115 runs. Yep. You know what I mean? Most guys, I mean, he was an RBI machine. When there was two strikes with him, he would shorten mm-hmm. his swing up and make, the, make contact with the runner at second. Yep. You know, so yeah, for a good just, good four, five, six years, he was one of the toughest two strike hitters, one of the toughest two out clutch runners on base, clutch hitters. He was he mm-hmm. was you know in my top ten for guys I would not want to face in a clutch situation. Real quick, about fifteen seconds, big dog. But Pittsburgh, the Pirates, they're forty four and forty one. They win yesterday. And how about Philadelphia and the monster that is this rookie Vance Morley? He pitched another shutout in seven innings yesterday. Yeah, he turned that W W upside down, coach. It's, oh, it's Worley, not Morley. Ah, okay. But anyways, yeah, think about it. Yeah, everybody was talking about the big four plus Blanton. That kid's <laughs> the last two months. Only Cliff Lee has been better in, in their rotation, and Roy Halladay and Cole Hamill are they, up in that rotation. And they get they get Oswald back. It's it's almost not fair. Yeah. All right, Dahl, we got to wrap up the uh, show. Great stuff as per always. Uh, anywhere we can find you tonight, if the females want to stalk you a little bit. Yeah, I will be at the U two concert at uh, at Soldier Field. Really, at the coach, the biggest band in the world, wow. at the greatest stadium on the planet. Wow, I'm yes, jealous. I got I got tickets for five uh-huh. bucks. Wow. You're going to need to relate that story tomorrow. Okay. Well, it's going to be a good time tonight. I cannot wait to see all these uh, zoo station chicks. Beautiful. Enjoy. All right, we got to wrap it up. Big Dog and the Coach, we'll be back at you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much. Hope you had a great weekend. David Olson, phenomenal job. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Bye-bye.